0: show a little pre-Christmas show a little Christmas Eve Eve show um not a slow news day that I could tell you for sure so we will talk about Donald Trump and um him breaking the internet with his surprise announcement uh this was definitely unexpected it was out of left field perhaps out of left field in more than one way um there's a lot to say about the little, the maneuvering of, of old Donnie. Some of you have suggested perhaps he watched the secular talk segment and changed his mind on something. <laughs> I don't know about that, but he did finally grow a pair, at least in one sense. Um, so I'll talk about some, some interesting parts of the COVID relief bill. There's a lot to say about that. We have a whole new slew of pardons from Trump, and the pardons are horrendous, and they're not of the people who you would like them to be of, so that's probably one of the biggest stories of the day, is who Donald Trump thinks is worthy of a pardon. So we have a whole bunch of stuff, y'all, a whole bunch of stuff that you're not going to want to miss. Okay, so let me start with, my show is not in order today, so you're going to have to bear with me as I... Um, as I jump from slide to slide and thing to thing because it uh, normally things are relatively in order and I could just kind of breeze through. But today that is not the case because I'm an absolute mess and because the news is a mess and the way in which it rolled in was uh, unacceptable in a way. So let me pull up a Donald Trump graphic and then we'll get started and I'll play that video for you. Of course, it's the last fucking graphic. Okay, here we go. President Trump broke the internet yesterday with a surprise announcement about the COVID relief bill. Let me play you some of what he tweeted.
1: Throughout the summer, Democrats cruelly blocked COVID relief legislation in an effort to advance their extreme left-wing agenda and influence the election. Then, a few months ago, Congress started negotiations on a new package to get urgently needed help to the American people. It's taken forever. However, the bill they are now planning to send back to my desk is much different than anticipated. It really is a disgrace. For example, among the more than 5,000 pages in this bill, which nobody in Congress has read because of its length and complexity, it's called the COVID relief bill, but it has almost nothing to do with COVID. This bill contains $85.5 million for assistance to Cambodia, $134 million to Burma, $1.3 billion for Egypt and the Egyptian military, which will go out and buy almost exclusively Russian military equipment. Congress found plenty of money for foreign countries, lobbyists, and special interests, while sending the bare minimum to the American people who need it. It wasn't their fault. It was China's fault, not their fault. I'm asking Congress to amend this bill and increase the ridiculously low $600 to $2,000, or $4,000 for a couple. I'm also asking Congress to immediately get rid of the wasteful and unnecessary items from this legislation and to send me a suitable bill or else the next administration will have to deliver a COVID relief package and maybe that administration will be me and we will get it done. Thank you very much.
0: Come again? So we're going to have to separate this out and break it down in parts because there's wildly contradictory messages, at least in terms of Um, how palatable and acceptable that is. So to the final part where he's like, maybe we'll have to leave it up to the next administration. Maybe that administration will be me. I mean, this is, Trump has been doing this since he lost the election, right? Like he's been pretending like, no, no, it's not over. Still have a chance. Still could win. There's a lot of fraud. Fraud in the election. Rigged elections. We're not going to let this stand. Now, the Electoral College already certified Biden's win, and they went to court over 50 times and lost every time but one. And the one time they won was some procedural nonsense. So it's over. It's done. But him saying that is ominous because, listen, I think he's a clown and he doesn't have the ability to, like, orchestrate a coup effectively. But uh, certainly the intent is there. And if he if, like, the military happened to be on his side and he could pull it off, oh, he would absolutely try it for sure. But it does require, like, planning. And I don't think he has that ability to plan. He just blurts stuff out on Twitter every now and then, and, and that's that. So I don't think he has the capacity to do it, but certainly the intent is there. But I think the reason why this, like, rubs me the wrong way is, like, how strangely confident he is when he says it, right? Like, that, that's the thing that got me. I'm watching it, and I'm like, why are you so nonchalant about this? Why are you so calm in how you said that? Maybe that administration will be me. Like, what, what are you doing? What are you doing behind the scenes? There's been a lot of talk that he's been in constant contact with Sidney Powell. Sidney Powell is the most insane, delusional liar of the whole bunch of this, you know, gaggle of right-wing ghouls. She's the one who's convinced that uh, not only was the election stolen, it was stolen in a globalist plot where you had, like, um, Maduro and, and Cuba all in cahoots with the voting machines to give the election to Biden because they love Biden and they want to work with Biden, which is just beyond ridiculous. I mean, if you don't understand that Biden's hostile to uh, Venezuela and, and to communist regimes, you don't know anything about Joe Biden. So, but that's who he's listening to the most. And, you know, Mike Flynn famously said very recently that well technically Trump can like declare martial law and seize some of the voting machines and then redo the election and yeah he's probably listening to cranks like that and so i don't know i again Trump is an enigma i think that's the right word because sometimes i feel like i have a good sense of his intentions and other times i don't sometimes i feel like he's just he's openly, brazenly, shamelessly lying, and he knows he's lying. And other times I think, no, he's, he's pathological, and he's convinced himself that what he's saying is true. But either way, that ending is really, really unsettling. Really unsettling. So that was gross. Ken Klippenstein also said something interesting before this happened. He was like, imagine if Trump was smart enough to tie a coup attempt to increase stimulus so it, 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 Trump's making it seem like everybody else is in favor of $600. I'm in favor of $2,000. So I'm going to get you the $2,000, but I guess i got to stay in office now, don't I? And people definitely need, you know, material help. There's no doubt about that. So is that, is that something that sort of softens the blow of the total destruction of democracy? In the eyes of many people, it certainly would. Shouldn't, but it certainly would. So that's the horrendous part, is that he's, again, threatening a coup, even though I don't think he's going to be able to pull it off, and it's already over, and, you know, the machinery of our country is sort of in gear, and it is going to dispel with him at the proper time. But it is, like, the fact that the intent is there is unsettling. That's how I feel about that. Now, let's get to the other parts, though, because this is interesting. So he says, Democrats blocked COVID relief through the summer. And, um, you know, it was like a political ploy on their part. That's what Trump's saying. That's half true, half not true. So it's not true because Democrats passed the the HEROES Act, which included increased stimulus checks. It included $1,200 stimulus checks, among many other things. So the Democrats had passed another stimulus bill, but Mitch McConnell was blocking it in the Senate. So the Democrats always had that argument to, to fall back on, which is like, listen, if you really want the stimulus, we do too. We already passed it. It's on you now. So that's one point. Um, also, you have various Democrats like Ro Khanna and Tim Ryan, among others, file legislation to pay $2,000 per month to everybody through the remainder of the crisis. Those bills went nowhere. Um, the part that, so he's wrong in that sense, but he's correct in this sense. It is true that Trump and Mnuchin had a $1.8 trillion um, deal on the table, and Pelosi rejected it. And in that deal, there were $1,200 stimulus checks as well, among other things. And so there was a better deal, a better stimulus deal on the table before the election. And Pelosi rejected it. And um, now, if Pelosi had accepted it, McConnell still would have rejected it. So it's not true that you just blame the Democrats there. But is there some degree of blame for the Democrats? Yes. The only Democrat who said take that deal is Ro Khanna. And then myself and some other, like, hosts and... And journalists were like, you should take that deal because it ain't going to get any better than that. Well, we were proven right, of course, because now after the election, um, you know, you have a worse deal on the table. And that's the deal that everybody agreed to, which gets to now the main point. Trump is actually correct when he says there's a lot of bullshit attached to this deal. 100 percent true. In fact, I was looking over them last night. Thirty three million dollars for democracy promotion in Venezuela, which is just a fancy way of saying $33 $33 million to overthrow the Venezuelan government, at least $500 million for Israel. The list goes on and on. Oh, $4.4 million for former U.S. presidents. Why? I don't know. Why is it in there? I have no idea. This is what they do. This is the, the dirty, gross way that the sausage is made in Washington, D.C. It's like, let's have this process where there's a certain part of the process where you just throw all the bullshit in there. And that's what happened. So Trump is calling out all that stuff and saying, listen, man, this, this shouldn't be attached to this bill. you got to get rid of this stuff. But then he says, I want $2,000 instead of $600. Now, is that a good thing? Absolutely. Of course that's a good thing. But should you question Trump's intentions on this front? Yes, because here's the deal. they I think they have the votes to override his veto. And he would know that they have the votes to override his veto. So this is on his way out the door in an attempt for him to virtue signal to be like, I was in favor of the higher payments. So don't blame me. I was doing right by the American people. These goddamn Democrats who were doing wrong by the American people. And he could even say, even though other Republicans, I was the only one. I alone, Donald Trump, was standing up for the American people. Now, if Trump interjected himself in these negotiations earlier on and said, I want $2,000, then he might have been able to get it. But now I think they have a veto-proof majority, and so he's not going to get that $2,000. But interestingly enough, Pelosi and the Democrats did the right thing here because Pelosi immediately responded on Twitter and said, I'm totally down for that. Let's do it here. We're adding $2,000 right now. We're going to see. But there is a little bit of a, an asterisk there because she wants to do it through unanimous consent. Unanimous consent means any congressperson can block it. And so you could have like Thomas Massey, who's a hardcore libertarian who doesn't believe in like any government spending. He could block it alone and be like, I don't believe in this. So there's a way to do it where you're not opening up the door for them to block it. If you propose a new bill or propose a new bill that has a, an amendment to the previous legislation that says change $600 for $2,000, you could do it. And you don't have to worry about the objections, but she's want her to do it through unanimous consent, which means she's opening up the door for it to get struck down, which means is she really for it? I don't know. But the Democrats, there were many Democrats who had the $2,000 number down and proposed. So, But see, this is interesting. Now you see how big of a cuck is Trump? Because previously we were saying he's a massive cuck because his staff convinced him to back down from the $2,000. Well, now, obviously, he changed his mind. But how much of a fight are you willing to take on, Don? And are you willing to say, yes, it's me and Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats versus Mitch McConnell and the Senate Republicans? Because that, the Grim Reaper is really the only one who would fundamentally be blocking this. So how much of a public pressure campaign are you willing to put on Mitch McConnell, Don? And again, this gets back to an, uh, an older conversation we had. Remember this? There, like two or three shows ago, I did a segment where I was talking about how Mitch McConnell pissed off Trump because Mitch McConnell basically acknowledged Biden's victory, acknowledged that he's president-elect. Trump didn't like that. And so the theory at the time was maybe Trump will tank the Georgia elections just to say, fuck you to Mitch McConnell. No, I'm not going to help you campaign there. Why would I help you campaign there? You just threw me under the bus, and I'm going to throw you under the bus because Mitch McConnell wants to win those elections so that the Republicans control the Senate. So that was the theory at the time. Hey, how's he going to get McConnell back? He's going to throw the Georgia election. He's not going to help Perdue and Loeffler, Leffler, however you pronounce it. Well, he didn't do that. He's still saying, oh, you know, Georgia Republicans need to win, vote for them. But now he's putting Mitch McConnell in a tough position because it would be Trump and Pelosi and all the Democrats up against McConnell and the Senate Republicans where Trump is with the Democrats saying, yeah, $2,000 payments, let's do it. So what are you going to do next? Are you going to do a tweet thread against Mitch McConnell's? But see, that's the thing. Trump, in many ways, I don't even think he understood his real power because he controls that Republican base like nobody's business. Donald Trump can ruin Mitch McConnell's career with one tweet thread. One tweet thread. Then he's a rhino, then he's not MAGA, then he's unacceptable. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. So. Are you really going to take this fight on, Don? Are you going to call out Mitch McConnell directly? Are you going to say, myself and Nancy Pelosi are in agreement, $2,000 checks, low energy Mitch, old man Mitch, good for nothing Mitch McConnell is blocking this. I think it's time that everybody shows him who's the boss. What are you going to do, Don? Are you going to do that? Should do that. So I don't know, man. I don't know. Let's wait and see. But uh, he should have done this earlier. If he did this earlier, we might actually have 2000 in the bill, um, he didn't. He waited till this last second. It's probably the case that there's a a, a veto-proof majority. But listen, if we end up actually getting the two thousand dollars in there because Trump puts enough pressure on McConnell, that'd be amazing. By the way, another possibility is that what is it? About twenty eight days or something until the Biden administration goes in. McConnell might just be like, no, I like this bill, we're going to keep this bill. Sure, we'll wait 28 days, and then Biden will sign the bill. And Biden will sign the bill. And we'll get to this story later, but Biden had a hand in reducing the Democratic demands. And then uh, there were a bunch of articles that framed this as a success of Biden's moderation. That's not a success. The stimulus package is nowhere near big enough. You can't brag about the fact that you cut it. Who takes credit for something like that? Let me take credit for the thing that people hate. This is the Democrats. This is the corporate Democrats. Whereas Trump at least has the political instincts, just like he has the political instincts every now and then to be like, "War is bad." He has the political instincts to be like, "I'd rather you have two thousand dollars than six hundred dollars." And again, pressure on Loeffler and Purdue, Leffler and Purdue, because John Ossoff immediately came out was like, "Yeah, two thousand right now. Let's do it." So Trump tripping over his dick, trying to get a positive thing in the news about him on his way out, is. Um, is bolstering the Democratic arguments, and now there's pressure on Republicans. And you see, they don't know how to handle this. Uh, Lindsey Graham did a, a tweet thread as soon as Trump said this, and he's like, I really – the idea is a good idea, and I think it's good, and what we should have is maybe if you, if you, if other things that Trump believes in, too, are good. So, like, if you do the thing where you go after big tech, but also with – I'm down for the $2,000 checks, kind of. So, anyway, that what happened was the sun was in my eyes, and Fred and them was down by the Safeway, and then I don't – so, he's, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to respond because they know Trump, even in loss, even though he lost the election, he still has the heart of the Republican base. He's their daddy. He's their daddy. He owns them. He could make their political careers or break their political careers. So, anyway, interesting dynamic. I'm curious to see how this unfolds. I don't know how this unfolds, but we'll see. So, needless to say, Trump wanting 2,000 instead of 600 is good, even though Trump should have done the 2,000 earlier. From threatening a coup again is bad, even though I don't think he has the ability to pull it off. But um, what a strange political moment, man. We've never seen anything like this. Okay, next. All right, let's go to CNN, baby. Here we go. CNN is reporting that people at the Pentagon are worrying what Trump is going to do next. This is unsettling.
2: You know, I've talked to somewhat a dozen officers or so, some in the Pentagon, some in other areas, and they all are expressing the same concern. The conversation is the same, and it goes something like this. We don't know what he might do. This is their commander-in-chief, and they are concerned. The concern is very clear, that the President might decide to use troops, the military, somehow in his effort to overturn the election. The immediate question, of course, would be how is any of this legal? But setting legality aside, why are they so concerned? Well, you know, Mike Flynn, the fired uh, National Security Advisor, former three-star Army general, has now spoken publicly about using martial law, the prospect of it, and he has now met with the President. This is something that is getting quite noticed around military circles. And I want to take your attention to a very particular tweet from a very significant retired general. Retired General Tony Thomas headed Special Operations Command all special operations for many years. He knows Flynn well. And this is what he tweeted just a few days ago. Let me read it to everybody. General Thomas says, Mike, stop, just stop. You're a former soldier. You know that leveraging the military to rerun elections is a totally inappropriate role for the profession. You are also undercutting the extraordinary trust and confidence America has in their military. Stop. Telling General Flynn, don't talk about using the military to rerun elections. That's the concern that the active duty has right now. Now, the top, the most senior U.S. military officer, General Mark Milley, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, hasn't spoken about this directly and specifically, but just a few weeks ago, he very pointedly talked about what the U.S. military does and does not do. We are
1: unique among militaries. We do not take an oath to a king or a queen, a tyrant or a dictator. We do not take an oath to an individual. No, we do not take an oath to a country,
2: a tribe, or a religion. We take an oath to the Constitution. The Constitution, and in the latest development in all of this undercurrent of anxiety, the four-star general uh, who heads the army the chief of staff and the civilian head of the army the secretary of the army actually of course a trump appointee those two men uh, a couple of days ago felt compelled to publicly say that the military has no role in election outcomes this is the conversation at the pentagon
0: So this, is, uh, this conversation is interesting because um, even just crossing the line of like a president entertaining these ideas is disturbing and unacceptable. Like that alone, it puts us in uncharted territory. The fact that a president is musing about, you know, a coup or staying in power after a definitive loss. Um, that alone should make make you hate Trump. Because, of course, there's no... He doesn't believe in any sort of democratic process. He only believes in it to the extent that he could win. And if he doesn't win, then he's going to immediately throw it out. And that's what we're seeing right now. They had their chance to make their case in court. And they failed miserably. Because when you actually had to present evidence and proof, they had nothing. They had anecdotal stories from crazy people and out-of-context 15-second... Twitter videos, like, okay, if there was something there, these overwhelmingly conservative courts would have sided with them, But they didn't, because there's nothing there. So that alone, the fact that he's musing about this stuff is bad alone. Um, but is the, does the media sort of feed into this hysteria to an extent, even though Trump overwhelmingly likely does not have the capacity and the ability to plan something out like this? to really stage some sort of effective coup. Yeah, like, I also feel like this is media fodder where it's, it's the narrative and it's the storyline that they love, and so they're feeding that storyline and that narrative, even though I think deep down they know that it ain't going to happen. Um, yeah, he'll be dragged out of the Oval Office kicking and screaming. That's the very, very likely scenario. But I think it does help. I don't think they're purely doing it for ratings, but I think that is a part of it. I do. Because this is the kind of stuff that gets eyes to watch CNN. If it wasn't for, for Trump, CNN would only be on at like barbershops and airports and that's it. You know, nobody's like a CNN stand. Very few people are CNN stands. So Trump makes it so that they have that constant 24-hour cycle going and they treat the real world like it's some sort of cheesy, cheap, you know, low-budget, trashy, reality show that's partially scripted, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm of, I'm of two minds about this. On the one hand, even the fact that Trump sort of openly muses about staying in office, even though he lost, that's bad enough. And that's enough cause and reason for condemnation for sure. And nobody should really downplay how serious that is in and of itself. And I've seen some of that too. Um, but yeah, will it actually happen? Will his, his, diet coup attempt come to fruition, 99% no. And you could say, hey, the fact that there's even a 1% chance that it does is disconcerting and bad. Agreed, totally. But, yeah, I do think the media sort of plays it up a little bit because they like this narrative. They love this narrative. And uh, you saw the general there. By the way, that's the same general. I like to call him General Meek Mill uh, because his name sounds very similar to Meek Mill. Um, General Meek Mill was the one who, after Trump threatened to invoke the Insurrection Act, he gave a speech like a week later and was basically like, "Mm, we're never doing that. So in other words, he's saying, even if Trump made the order, I'm not carrying it out. Which, it it opens up a a very interesting um, constitutional question and judicial question, right? So we do have We do have a hierarchy of power, especially when it comes to the military, and he's the commander-in-chief. And in theory, he should be listened to with stuff. Like when he says, get out of Afghanistan, the generals cannot and should not and can't override him, but they do, unfortunately. But so like in some instances, if Trump says something, you want the military to listen because he's the the commander-in-chief. He's in charge. So if he says, get out of Afghanistan, and they don't, Trump is right and they're wrong. But then there's another legal question, which is, so what if Trump is asking to generals to do something that's clearly unconstitutional. Then what? Getting out of Afghanistan is not unconstitutional. Getting out of Iraq, Iraq is not unconstitutional. Deploying the U.S. military in U.S. streets to quell protests clear, clearly a violation of the First Amendment. And General Meek General Mill said that um, when he gave the speech on the Insurrection Act. So again, with that, signal is is he gave a speech and he was basically saying like we don't answer to a king or a dictator there's going to be a peaceful transition of power and if you lose the military and trump has ain't gonna be no coup son you're gonna get your ass kicked to the curb that's what's going to happen so um that should make you rest easy but of course it doesn't really make cnn rest easy it makes cnn like let's feed the narrative more let's let's make it seem like oh he's gonna do it Or if he's going to succeed at doing it, highly, highly, highly unlikely. But either way, nobody can deny he has that authoritarian impulse. He does. He's just ineffectual and disorganized and impulsive. But he certainly has that authoritarian impulse. But honestly, we knew that from day one.
3: Okay. Okay. Now we are going to...
0: We're going to talk about the pardons that Trump issued. So President Trump issued 15 pardons last night. Don't get too excited, because on the list was not Edward Snowden, Julian Assange, reality winner. Nobody on the list was somebody that you would want to get a pardon. Like, you know, you'd want them to get a pardon. You'd also want any sort of nonviolent drug offender to get a pardon, sort of like Alice Johnson. Um, Nobody good was on the list of the 15. So let me show you the big headline. Breaking, Trump has pardoned four former U.S. service members who were convicted of killing Iraqi civilians while working as Blackwater contractors in 2007. Now, I'm going I'm to do a book recommendation for you now because I think this is important. Um, Blackwater is the name of the book written by Jeremy Cahill. And I remember reading that around when it first came out and just being blown away. So what happened with these Blackwater contractors, it was murder. Sure. They murdered innocent people in Nisor Square. And it was called the Nisor Square Massacre. They, most of the people who were murdered were women at least two of them were children. It was basically like indiscriminate shooting in every direction, sort of like how you would imagine. Like if you think of a mass shooting at a school in the United States, that's how this thing unfolded. And Jeremy Scahill breaks it down in amazing detail. He wrote the book Blackwater. Um, there, do you understand how egregious and beyond the pale and insane your crime has to be for you to get convicted if you're either a U.S. contractor or in the U.S. military, it's very difficult to have accountability. It's very difficult to get accountability in situations like that. There was accountability because the incident, the crime, was that much over the top that there was no ambiguity. We're talking about war criminals here. So for Trump to pardon them, it's just like the Gallagher pardon he did. What this shows Trump believes in is the idea that the rules don't apply to us. The law doesn't apply to us. We get to do whatever the hell we want. That's not a question. That's the reality. And it's kind of ironic because Trump loves to make a big show about we're the law and order people, we're the law and order party, we believe in law and order, law and order needs to be everywhere. And they actually don't believe in law and order in a variety of ways. I mean, usually when they trot out that talking point, that's just them saying, like, if a black person throws a rock during a protest, throw the book at them. You know, if you pull down a statue, throw the book at them. That's what they mean when they scream law and order. Um, But certainly in an international sense, nobody has ever believed less in law and order than Trump and the Republicans and a lot of the corporate Democrats. But this is even an order of magnitude worse than any corporate Democrat would do. Pardoning, unrepentant, over the top, clear war criminals. Because in his mind, hey, when we do bad things, it doesn't count. When we do war crimes, it doesn't count. Because he wants to, and you see this, this is the kind of thinking of imperialists and neocons. The thinking is, we're the good guys by definition. So if you're a good guy by definition, then you get carte blanche to act however you want, and then you could sweep all the crimes under the rug and say, but my intentions were good. My intentions were pure. My, my motive was pure. I was trying to liberate these Iraqi civilians by murdering them in the middle of the street in broad daylight. That's what I was trying to do. I meant, well, okay, I killed mostly women and some children, and they were not even close to a threat, and I did it, but... I thought that maybe that it was, and these are the lies they probably came up with, because this seemed like so brazen that they even knew what, the, what they were doing was wrong, but they could say, oh, I thought that they were, you know, insurgents who were going to attack me, so I attacked back. But it's okay, because when I do these things, I meant, well, so can we just forgive and forget? He thinks the law doesn't apply to the U.S. Empire. By the way, That's the thinking of every empire throughout human history. You can dismiss a lot of horrendous, terrible, criminal things if you just say, I meant well, so it doesn't count. I meant well, so it doesn't count. If every empire ever said that, perhaps either your intentions aren't that great or intentions alone in these conversations is not the end-all, be-all. Like It's one thing, and I've, I've made this point in different context before, If you leave the house one day and you accidentally run somebody over and they die and it was an accident, I feel horrendous for the victim, but I also do feel bad for you if it was a real accident. You know, Just unfortunate luck. But then what happens if the next day you go out for a drive and you do it again? And then the next week you go out for another drive and you do it again, so you've killed three people. And then the week after that, you go out and you do it to four people more. What then? At some point, probably around number two or three, I go, I'm not sure about your intentions anymore, actually. I don't know about your intentions. Would this really keep happening if you meant well? And that's the U.S. in the Middle East. That's the U.S. with our foreign policy. I mean, I love when we were in Afghanistan, remember the – I think it was Kabul – I think it was a Kabul hospital bombing. We killed civilians by bombing a hospital, us and our allies, and then we turned around and we were like, listen, we've got to stay in Afghanistan because we've got to protect the innocent civilians from the Taliban. You just massacred the innocent people at the hospital. What are you talking about? Should we be there to protect us from ourselves, to protect them from ourselves? This is the mindset of a neocon war hawk imperialist. That's what this is from Donald Trump here. Law doesn't apply to us. Rules don't apply to us. You can never, ever, 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 ever make the case that the reason why the U.S. does what it does around the world in foreign policy is because we believe in human rights, yes, human rights. We're, We're enforcing human rights by violating human rights. Is that the argument? We're the world's policemen by acting like the world's thugs and criminals and gangsters. Is that the argument? Arrogant, stupid, malicious, evil empire. And like I said, we're not unique among world empires. Every empire ever, when they have power and control, acts like this. And then they tell themselves the pretty little lies. Yeah, we meant well. (laughs) How about you just get out? of all these countries that we're not supposed to be in in the first place. How about that? How about you pull out of all of them? Because we shouldn't be there as a matter of strategy, but even as a matter of principle, a lot of these wars are illegal and unconstitutional in contravention of international law and the Geneva Convention and the Nuremberg Tribunal. As Chomsky said, if the Nuremberg laws were upheld, every post-World War II U.S. president would have been hanged. So if you actually believe in and enforce international law, we are the biggest violators. And this, I mean, this is just such a clear example that should slap you in the face and wake you up, shouldn't it? And I should note, this is where all, all your tax money is being spent. You know, oh, we can't give you a bigger stimulus, uh, here's $600 and shut up after nine months. But sure, we'll spend almost a trillion dollars on our bloated military budget where we do shit like this the Department of War Crimes is what we fund the most in this country. So there you have it, a war criminal who pardoned other war criminals. That's what Trump did here. And I should also say, it's funny that this is like a side note in the conversation. This is something that you add on to the back of the conversation, even though it's not, it's a big story in and of itself. But uh, Trump also pardoned Duncan Hunter and some other Republican officials who are, I mean, it's a who's who of corrupt pricks. I mean, Duncan Hunter went down for insane corruption. Imagine in this system, which is pretty much openly corrupt, we have legalized bribery in this system with corporations and billionaires funding political campaigns. Imagine in this system going down for corruption. Do you have any idea how corrupt you have to be to go down in this system for corruption? like they actually got you and proved it in a court of law and you went down on corruption it all you need to do to hide it is like check the right boxes oh this one's a campaign contribution this one's not going to me it's going to my pack <laughs> like you didn't you couldn't navigate this system to be corrupt in an above board way that's some amateur shit dog that's rookie stuff all day long Are you kidding? But Duncan Hunter went down. He and his wife went down for open, brazen, disgusting, over-the-top, illegal corruption, even though we have legalized bribery in this country. So Duncan Hunter went down for that, and Donald Trump pardoned him. Don't you ever, dare, ever say Donald Trump was trying to drain the swamp. Drain the swamp? Bitch, he just chugged the swamp water. That's what he just did. He just bathed in the swamp water and was like, "I love this swamp water. Uh, Does my nipples? Uh,
4: Pour more swamp water on my nipples. Uh, Yeah, more of this." Uh."
0: Okay, that was really weird, but I think you get the point. Donald Trump did the swampiest of the swampy things you could ever imagine. That's what this is: pardoning Duncan Hunter. You may as well tattoo on your forehead, "We are all corrupt." (laughs) I am corrupt, we are all corrupt Corruption is awesome if it's us doing it That's why it's always It was always ridiculous, the fact that he made that argument I mean, he put frickin' Jared and Ivanka In his administration Talk about nepotism And then they made over $130 million In just a few years in office Gee, I wonder if some of that money is coming from people With conflicts of interest I wonder if some of that money is coming from Israel or Saudi Arabia And then the administration does favors in return He has the nerve to talk about anybody else's corruption Listen, I can, and I will, and I do talk about, like, the Clinton Foundation corruption. You can go to www.shuddy.org on that, son, because you've got your own corruption problems. Pardoning Duncan Hunter. He doesn't give a fuck. But then he will go out there and shamelessly be, I drained the swamp. It was amazing. It was incredible. I pardoned the swamp thing, but I did drain the swamp after I pardoned the swamp thing. That's what I did, folks. Oh, Jesus Christ. No Assange pardon, no Snowden pardon, no nonviolent drug offender pardon, all war criminals and openly corrupt assholes. Okay, next. Oh, wait, let me get to the uh, the Joseph Biden. Here it is. Joseph Biden graphic. So here's something that we learned yesterday morning that's a harbinger of things to come. David Sirota says, New, buried in a New York Times report is news that Biden played a key role in undermining progressives and helping McConnell have the stimulus bill, which is another sign that Biden's longtime austerity zealotry is alive and well. Don't say you weren't warned. This is actually really important. This is really important. So Joe Biden was behind the scenes partaking in these negotiations for this new stimulus bill. Now, we don't have the details on exactly which versions of the bill Biden had something to do with. But understand, we went from a situation where there were $1,200 stimulus checks, and then there were two versions of the bill. I think it was like Manchin and Romney or Manchin and McConnell. Two versions of the bill came out where there were no stimulus checks. They did a stimulus bill with no stimulus checks. That was on the table. That was one of the proposals. Because you had the most conservative Democrats negotiating with some of the most conservative Republicans. And oh, would you look at that? The people were the ones who got screwed the most in those bills. Now, when did Biden come in? How did Biden come in? Not exactly sure, but what we do know is he was one of the people to say to the Democrats, no, 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 no. Don't be unreasonable, y'all. Don't go too far. We have to be realistic here. And the realistic thing is to not demand a stimulus check of $1,200. And I don't know if his argument was, let's have a stimulus check with $0, or, or excuse me, let's have a stimulus bill with $0, or just take half. Just take the 1200 just get it down to 600 That's all we need. That's all we got to do. And then we could claim a brilliant bipartisan victory. Yes! Bipartisanly screwing the American people and giving them crumbs.
3: So... Um,
0: In other words, Biden stepped into the negotiation as a Democrat to argue on behalf of the Republicans. Come on, Democrats, that's too much money you want to give to the American people. Reduce that. Reduce it. Now, the twist in the story just makes it, just sort of crystallizes how terrible the corporate Democrats are in in a stunning way. Because it was Donald Trump who gave a speech saying, hey, here's a bunch of the terrible provisions of the bill. We're giving money to, like, Cambodia and all these places. I don't know why we're doing that. And, um, yeah, I'm against this, and I want you to change the $600 to $2,000. So just so everybody understands, what you had was progressive Democrats who were calling for $2,000. That was their starting position. Let's do $2,000. And, it, honestly, it's $2,000 a month from the progressive Democrats. Yeah, Josh Hawley and Bernie, who said 1200 dollars uh, payments and they fought really hard for it, right? And then you had Mansion and Democrats like Biden go, no, 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 either zero or six hundred. Even Trump steps in at the last minute to go, no, I want two thousand dollar checks, not six hundred dollar checks. And so now Trump is aligning with the progressive Democrats actually, and with even Pelosi's in favor of the two thousand dollar checks. And now the pressure is put on Senate Republicans. But Donald Trump argued. For stimulus checks that were bigger than what Joe Biden was arguing for behind the scenes. You know what's possible in politics? Whatever you think is possible. Whatever you fight for being possible. You can lay down the terms of the negotiation and the conversation. You have the ability to do that. You just have to do it. You just have to make the arguments that make your case. Drag people to your position. Be forceful. Be aggressive. You know, sort of like a president at the last minute giving a speech saying, fuck your bill, 2,000. Now, we should have said that earlier on, right? Because they may have a veto proof majority, which would be a little bit of a disaster if a bunch want 2,000 and we don't end up getting 2,000. But it, it says so much that, like, see, in Joe Biden's mind, I'm trying to be as kind as possible, right? Like, but in his mind, he thinks a bipartisan accomplishment in and of itself is the end all be all. So as long as he gets to go around and saying,
5: I worked in a bipartisan way, yes,
0: they think bipartisanship is inherently noble and brilliant and genius and good, even if the bipartisanship is to deregulate Wall Street, for example, cut Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. He thinks the fact that it's bipartisan means you should keep fawning praise on me. So in other words, the terms don't matter. The terms can be right wing and corporate and terrible hawkish in some instances, but it was bipartisan, and I did that. I brought people together, so everybody praised me. Even frickin' Trump pivoted to the left of Biden on the issue of stimulus checks, to the left of Biden on the issue of this bill. And you want to know the most embarrassing part, guys? It's not even Biden. The most embarrassing part of this is the media wrote fawning articles about how much of a serious adult Joe Biden is because he reduced the amount of stimulus money you're going to get. I'm not kidding. The whole point was Biden stepped in and told the Democrats to reduce the amount that they were asking for. And the serious adult in the room was able to get a deal done. And it was wonderful.
1: Bipartisanship, yeah! Go hungry. Starve. Get kicked out of your house.
0: But Joe Biden made a bipartisan deal. The media was slobbing on that knob, slobbing on that wrinkly-ass knob. That's what they were doing. so easy to be a corporate Democratic president. Perpetually fuck up, always underachieve, always get half measures to the half measures, and then the media thinks you're the biggest genius on the planet and they should put you on Mount Rushmore. Even Trump pivoted left of Biden on the stimulus check question. Even Trump! Oh, this is what we, we know to expect this for the next four years. Biden will give Republicans everything they want and then frame it as a victory because bipartisanship. Aren't I such an adult by giving people nothing but saying I got some sort of bipartisan deal? Terminal Washington brain is what this man has.
4: Okay.
5: Next.
0: Let's talk about another provision of this bill. Here we go. I wanna show you this interesting provision that made it into the COVID relief bill. COVID-19 relief bill doubles healthcare budget for Congress. So Lee Fong wrote about this. the exclusive clinic used by members of Congress got an extra $5 million in the latest spending bill. So the budget is like $4 million and change, and they just more than doubled the budget in this bill. Now, when you read the specifics, it's even more interesting. So they have, like, everything for this clinic, everything you can imagine, physical therapy, like even things that aren't proven, like chiropractic medicine. By the way, I'm not saying, if you like it for glorified backcracking, like a glorified massage therapist or something, by all means, I'm not judging you for that. I'm saying the empirical evidence for it is slim. And if you read the origins of, uh, of chiropractic medicine, you'll see some very questionable stuff. They believe in subluxation theory, which is like all your ailments and ills and sicknesses are because your spine is not aligned properly. Really goofy pseudoscience stuff. But they have that there they have physical therapy there they have every sort of little subcategory of medicine you can imagine fully funded fully funded they also have a pharmacy that's in there a little bit of a scary story for those of you who don't know is that there are either senators or congress people or both who have uh alzheimer's and they have to get the medicine for that and a pharmacist was on the record of saying i've had to fill those prescriptions for members of congress or the senate but there's a really important thing to take away from this. And I think we discussed this recently because it, they kind of perpetually increase the budget for their own clinic. What does this show you? All the crying and the yelling and the bitching and the moaning and the, you know, tearing down of or smugly dismissing of Medicare for all. A single payer health care system. What do you think this is? this is single-payer for me, but not for thee. That's what this is. Single-payer for me, but not for thee. Because ultimately, guys, really what we're having a conversation about is where the funding comes from. That's it. That's the whole conversation when it comes to Medicare for all or a single-payer health care system. Now, yes, there, it, it does get more nuanced than that. You could dive into the details of it. And the Canadian system or the French system is like public funding. So tax dollars pay private institutions. But you have an NHS style system where it's public funding of public institutions. You understand? So there is a, a, there is a distinction there. Um, but the connecting tissue is public funding, tax dollars. Now, I don't know. Is this clinic privately owned or is this clinic government owned? I don't know. But what I do know is the funding is all government. is all tax money. So somehow they fear like, that's not good for you, but it's perfectly okay for them? And they love the health care they get, and they get complete coverage in every imaginable way? No, see, this, it's, this is all a fraud. It's a scam. The corporate Democrats who oppose Medicare for All are paid to oppose Medicare for All by the for-profit health insurance companies. They also don't go tough on Big Pharma because they get paid by Big Pharma as well. All the Republicans are paid by them as well, Big Pharma and the for-profit health insurance companies. So, now that's not to say that the lefties, who are for Medicare for All, take money from the for-profit health insurance companies. In fact, they don't. They don't do that. They're pure and they believe in Medicare for All. They happen to be wrong on the strategy to get it at this point in time, in my estimation, because they don't want to force the vote. They should want to force the vote. But that's the dynamic in the system. But this shows you the lives they lead are not in accordance with the beliefs they claim to have. They claim, like, oh, single-payer Medicare for all is not a good idea. It's pie in the sky. And then they give you a whole list of terrible arguments against it. But really, they're using a single-payer system. So, in my opinion, whatever's good enough for them is good enough for us, Right? Like, what, they get this Cadillac single-player plan, single plan, and we get, that's right, we get nothing. It's unacceptable. There are no good arguments against it. I mean, we've gone over it a thousand times. One of the things is, oh, where's the, how are you going to pay, pay for it? And the answer is it saves money. What do you mean, how are we going to pay for it? You save $5 trillion over the course of a decade. That's not me speaking. That's a study from the University of Massachusetts Amherst, which goes into the details of this. Every other developed country has one version or another of universal health care system, and they spend less, and they cover everybody. What are you talking about? It saves money, better health outcomes. The idea takes away your freedom of choice. Nonsense. Nonsense. The thing that takes away your freedom of choice is our current private system. Because they'll tell you, oh, you can't go to that doctor. That doctor is out of network. By the way, I know because I've ran into this problem a number of times. Had to switch my health insurance, and then they said, we don't cover the doctor you currently go to. And I'm like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. It never ends. It never ends. With Medicare for All, you pick whatever doctor you want. So Medicare for All, single payer, for me but not for thee. That's their position. And by the way, have the Republicans taken some sort of principled stance against this? No, I don't like this. Government funded. Yeah, very good. Great coupon. Mm. No, they go and they get their health care and they're happy. By the way, they already got their COVID vaccines. But I get it. Listen, I think they should do it by age and vulnerability. So whoever needs it the most gets it the fastest. That's what I think. So a lot of people in Congress do fall into that category. You know, some of the younger ones, yeah, they should probably wait a little bit, right? Like, give it to the old people who need it first. Give it to the immunocompromised people who need it first. But in other words, it's not like the fact that they're funded through government money makes it, like, irreconcilably terrible and everything's falling apart in there and they have you know, substandard care. No, they have the best care in the freaking world. And it's with government money. Because really, ultimately, when we have this conversation, we're just talking about where does the funding come from? That's it. That's it. So don't fall for the tsunami of bullshit propaganda on the issue of Medicare for all. It's good enough for them. It's good enough for wealthy elites, which means it's good enough for all of us. And it should be the case that health care is a right and not a privilege anymore. And so we need single payer Medicare for all for the entire country. OK. All right. Let me take a break. When we come back, we still got a lot more and we're going to go to um, Donald Trump cucking himself to the Saudis yet again. Stay right there. We'll be right back.
5: bitch.
4: Okay. What are we gonna move on to now?
0: Hmm. Donald Trump and Saudi Arabia. I got a lot of Trump stories today, don't I? I think I have an MBS graphic in here somewhere. Yes, I do. There we go. Every time I say MBS, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, I think of IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I might have to say that on air. Oh, actually, wait. No, I gotta. I gotta wait to do my little, my little plugaruni. I gotta wait on that. <clears throat> According to the Washington Post, the Trump administration is weighing immunity. For MBS, Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia. Every time I say MBS, I think of IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> Not the best thing to be remind of, reminded of when uh, it's somebody's name, but yeah, this uh, I don't know why this isn't bigger news. I feel like this should be much bigger news because the part of the conversation that's almost always left out, and I say this because I think I'm one of like two or three people in the entire country who has repeatedly brought up this point, is that Saudi Arabia kept funneling money to Trump through his DC hotel. They did that repeatedly. And the, the cover story was, oh, we're gonna do like a retreat, a getaway for US troops or something. And so they paid for like all these rooms And they funneled them extra money, hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars. And um, it was—it's a pay-to-play thing. It's—you know—I'm going to go along to get along. I'm going to go tit for tat with you. Hey, what if I give you a bunch of money through your DC hotel? What do I get in in return for that? And then, of course, we open up the conversation about the fact that he gave them a multi-billion-dollar weapons deal. He gave them a multi-billion-dollar weapons deal. They've been on the the human rights panel or council at the U.N. Uh, We aided and abetted a genocide in Yemen. That's what we did. And we sat idly by as they kill women and children. So is there some pay-to-play corruption going on? You bet your ass there is. And then now, so if he actually gives him immunity or, or pardons or commutes or whatever could there be a more clear example of there's something fishy going on here like i get it saudi arabia and the u.s are allies and so u.s presidents have repeatedly cucked themselves to saudi arabia in the same way that they've repeatedly cucked themselves to israel um but isn't this a level above and beyond like the multi-billion dollar weapons deal i thought was a level above and beyond not tied to any sort of you know, demands on on human rights or civil liberties, none of that. And then this would be another similar thing, and the administration is weighing it. We've come a long way from when Donald Trump used to blame 9-11 on Saudi Arabia. Remember that? He used to do that. He used to say, they're not our allies. They spread radical Islam all around the world. Not good, folks. Not good. And the second he became president, ooh, his tune changed, and... He took a lot of money from them through his D.C. hotel, and then he gave them weapons for their genocide. Now, I, I pose to you, propose to you, pose to you, I'm not proposing to you, that'd be marriage. <laughs> I pose to you the idea that, isn't this worse than the Russia scandal, even at its height? Because like, at least half the stories on the Russia scandal at its height turned out to not be true. They just turned out to be false. And, you know, the people who went down in regards to Russiagate, they didn't go down for Russiagate-related stuff. They went down for corruption, like Manafort or Flynn. That's not to excuse that corruption. It's horrendous. And they should go down for it. But it wasn't in regards to Russia. It just wasn't. So if the idea was, oh, he's a Manchurian candidate to Russia, that was proven false. Because if that was proven true, Mueller would have been able to show it. He wasn't able to show it. But... Is he kind of a puppet of Saudi Arabia? There is an argument to be made there. Saudi Arabia has unlimited funds, and they're willing to throw that money around to meet their own geopolitical goals. So if all it takes is to give Trump millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars through his D.C. hotel with probably some sort of promise for future funds going there, if that's all it takes, yeah, Trump is going to give them their fucking weapons deal. He doesn't care about babies being killed in Yemen. He doesn't care at all. And now it's protection. By the way, what's the exact crime? I'm not sure. Um, Some people are saying Jamal Khashoggi. I don't know if the U.S. has jurisdiction on Jamal Khashoggi because the crime didn't happen in the U.S. Um, But it might be like there are other lawsuits against the government of Saudi Arabia and against MBS in the U.S. So it's probably in reference to that. But he wants that full and total immunity. Um, And we all know that this had to come through Jared Kushner, too. Right. Like this had to come through Jared Kushner. This is because him and Jared Kushner, MBS and Jared Kushner, became like buddies, children of privilege and wealth, buddies, teaming up to get rich and continue genocides. So anyway, there you have it. Again, I don't know why this isn't a bigger story. There are so many stories about Trump that I'm like, wait, this is the big one. Why are you guys not talking about this one? And then they don't talk about that, and they'll talk about something else involving Trump. And it's like, no, 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 this is the thing. You know, the hair on fire, everybody's up in arms, everybody's screaming on cable news. Here's an instance where you actually can and should do that. Because at least then if you make some noise, there's a chance he backs off of it, right? But no, there's just like one article and it was in the news for half a day and gone. To me, this is like, forget the Russia puppet thing. This is Saudi's puppet, Saudi Arabia's puppet, in the same way he's Israel's puppet. This is what it is, man. Getting personally wealthy and doing favors for these horrendous criminal governments. All right, now we're gonna have some fun. We are gonna have quite a bit of fun. We're gonna talk about Pat Robertson. So this video is something else. Never did I think I would see this day. Pat Robertson has turned on Donald Trump.
4: I think it's all over. I think the electoral college has spoken. I think the the Biden uh, corruption uh, has not totally been brought to to uh, a fruition, but it doesn't seem to be affecting the electoral college. And I don't think the Supreme Court is going to move in to do anything. And I think uh, we're going to see a President Biden, and I also think we'll be seeing a President. Kamala Harris not too long after the inauguration of President Biden. With all his talent and the ability to raise money and grow large crowds, the President still lives in an alternate reality. He really does. People say he lies about this, that and the other, but no, he isn't lying. To him, that's the truth. He had the biggest crowd on Inauguration Day. He had, the, he had more people than ever. Uh, he was the most popular uh, people. Of, he saved NBC but with The Apprentice. He had to go down the line of things that really aren't true. And, and, you know, people kept pointing to them. But because they loved him so much and he was so strong for the evangelicals, the evangelicals were with him all the way. But there was something about him that was good, that God placed him in that uh, office for the time he's done a marvelous job for the economy. But at the same time, uh, he is very erratic, and he, uh, he's fired people, and he's fought people, and he's insulted people, and keeps going down the line. So it's, it's a mixed bag, and I think it, it would be well to say uh, you've had your day, and uh, it's time to move on. Damn, son.
0: Damn, son. Wow. That was, that was interesting, wasn't it? And I'm trying to put my finger on exactly what it is, because there's more than just what meets the eye here. You know, I think there's stuff going on behind the scenes. There's stuff beneath the surface. Like, I think Pat Robertson did, like, Trump did a bunch of interviews with Pat Robertson early on. I don't think he's done one with him in a while. Um, maybe there was something behind the scenes that happened that, Trump, that uh, Robertson kind of soured on him a little bit. Uh, but that really is just speculation. But, you know, I also can't help but get the sense that there's almost like a class thing here, too. Now, I know Trump's rich and he's either a billionaire or a fake billionaire, but he's still wealthy. Um, But there does seem to be this divide in Republican circles where more middle class and lower income Republicans are the real hardcore Trump people, the diehards. And then you have like the Mitt Romney types who are sort of elitist Republicans who are kind of embarrassed by his lack of a filter and his, you know, tripping over his own dick four times before noon. And um, I think Pat Robertson might have more of an affinity with like the Mitt Romney types because he also is like a wealthy elitist Republican. Um, And all this stuff now that Trump is doing with like the pretending there's still a chance for him to win or whatever, like that really is embarrassing to anybody who's not super sycophantic already to Trump. And on the sycophantic meter on a scale of 1 to 10, maybe Pat Robertson was a 5 or a 6. But a 5 or a 6 is going to look at the, you know, Giuliani with hair dye dripping down his face, Sidney Powell saying Venezuela controls our elections, and he's going to be like, really? Really? So um, I do think there's a little bit of a class thing going on here, where like the Mitt Romney wing, the elitist Republican wing, it's like they can only defend Trump to a point. But then when Trump does his most egregious brazen over the top lies, they're like, I can't even follow you there, dog. I can't do it. Um, so let's go through some of what he says here. He says at the beginning, listen, it's over. The Electoral College did their thing. It's over. He says, I think we're going to get President Biden and then we'll probably see President Kamala Harris. Um, interesting for Pat to say that. I don't know if you'll see either of them because you're also about 1076 years old. Um But, yeah, I mean, if I was a betting man, I don't know, I'll ask you guys, what do you think? Does Biden make it four years? Does Biden make it four years? He's already 78, and he doesn't look good. He's at the point where he has good days and bad days. I don't know if you've ever been through that. I don't know if you guys have ever had a grandparent who's passed away or a parent who's passed away. But, yeah, when it's a grandparent, it's like every now and then they'll have good days and they'll have bad days. And on the bad days, they really got no idea what's going on. Um, And Biden's kind of at that point right now, isn't he? So I don't know. Is he going to last four years? It could just be that mentally he's declining, but physically he's actually still there fine, you know, because he looks like he's in shape even though he's a 1,000 years old. Um, It's like Bernie's totally there mentally. He's whip smart mentally, even though I disagree with him on a lot of strategy stuff, but he's there mentally. That's obvious. With Biden, it's like some days he is, some days he isn't. So who knows? Um, But we might see President Kamala Harris. I don't know if Biden's going to last four years. Then he goes on to say, and this was when he really dropped the bomb on Trump, he says Trump lives in an alternate reality. And he makes the argument that he's a pathological liar, but to him, everything he's saying is true. And I've made this point before as well. When you're pathological, you don't even, like, categorize things as true or false. You just say stuff. And whatever you say is, you just, like, speak it into existence, regardless of the truth value of it. You don't think about things in the true or false sense. You just sort of create your own world. And that's what Pat's saying here. he lives in an alternate reality. He said God placed him in office. That's the one part that's classic old school Pat Robertson. If God placed him there, really, of all the people, God looked around. Also, I'd like to ask God, is it just the U.S. that counts enough for you to put somebody in there? Or, like, do you also care about who the president of Cameroon is? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so who'd you put in for Madagascar or Malaysia? Or does God only care about the United States of America because we're the world's sole superpower? So he's like, I don't have time for New Zealand. Fuck New Zealand. Is that what God does? I don't know. I'm asking. You know, presumably Pat would know because he hears voices in his head all the time that he thinks are God. Um, So he says God placed him in office. No, he didn't. (laughs) And then he said he's done a wonderful job on the economy. Even amidst a, a more broadly correct rant, he has to mess plenty of things up. Yeah, no, Pat. Like, I say, I say to Pat the same thing I've said to every conservative who's made this argument, which is, do you think Trump gets a mulligan because of COVID? Because he doesn't. That still counts. You know, it's like saying to Obama, do you think Obama gets a mulligan because he inherited the subprime mortgage crisis in the Great Recession? No, it's still on him to do something about that, because now he's president when everything's going in the wrong direction. Okay, fix it. What are you going to do? You know, it's like Trump... Didn't do nearly enough to effectively fight COVID, and then COVID takes over, tanks the economy. They fully socialize the stock market. You know, the economy still—we're effectively in a great depression. That's why I see these long food lines and whatnot. And he's like, "Oh, I did a wonderful job with the economy." This is what Trump does. He's like, "Until the China virus, we were doing wonderful." Okay, but that counts. <laughs> you don't get to just like write off the past nine months because hey, man, something bad happened, right? Did George W. Bush get to write off 9/11? Like, no. Before 9-11, we were doing great. No, that counts. Like, it, that counts, man. It counts. It's like a childish way of thinking. He was doing a wonderful job with the economy before he wasn't. And, by the way, remember from the Bob Woodward tapes, Trump knew. Trump was like, this thing is a lot more contagious than the flu. Um, it's airborne, and it's way more deadly. It's worse than even your more strenuous flus. He was saying that to Bob Woodward behind the scene in February and publicly Months after he was like, It's just like the flu, no big deal. He killed a plan that the post office already had in motion of mailing every American masks.
4: Let that one sink in, bitch.
0: That's crazy. He did that. And so now to say, Oh, the economy's doing well. No, it's not. We have over 315,000 Americans dead from this virus, and the economy's in shambles. Over 50% of small businesses are fucked, son. Anyway, and then uh, Pat goes on to say, well, he's very erratic, and he fired people. I, again, I love how, like, that's the thing that elitist snobs like Pat Robertson point to. He's very erratic. You know what that means? He tweets a lot. That's what that means. Yeah, the one good thing about him that I find hilarious <laughs> is he tweets like, oh, my God, he's very erratic. And he fired a lot of people. Literally the last thing on the list of things that I care about with Trump. Oh, there was a high turnover rate in his administration. whoop he do? I care about what he's actually doing, what his policies are, and his policies is small. So that's all I need. All I need to do is talk about that alone. But anyway, there you have it. You know what this shows? It shows that when there's even a split among, like, prominent conservatives as to the future of Trump, that's not a good sign for Trump. It's really not. It's really not. Because he can't control the narrative as much as he'd like to. And um, But I still think that his most successful play post presidency is Trump TV I think he should try to buy one American news network and Newsmax combine them do Trump TV and see what happens because honestly I also believe this from a selfish perspective because that would be tremendous content for my show all right Amy Klobuchar is now going to get the secular talk treatment.
4: There's a cloud in my boot jar, baby.
0: Amy Klobuchar, Mrs. Cloud Boot Jar herself, is going to show you exactly how not to respond to a rogue President Trump who's offering people more money.
4: And now he's saying
2: that he's going to veto it. There is some nuance to it with him saying that he wants a larger-sized payment to the American people, which is something that Democrats argue for at every step of the process. And now House Democrats say, okay, well, if that's what he wants, we'll provide him with that. Um, I wonder just what you, what you make of this very last-minute um, scramble of, of what we thought was going to proceed here with this release bill. I kept thinking tonight, well, these pardons are an attack on our very democracy. Uh, this is an attack on every American.
0: It's an attack on every American. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. I'll give her that with the last line where he's like, the next administration might need to work on this, and maybe the next administration will be me. Yeah, that's fair. That, that, that's an attack on all Americans, because that's like diet coup talk, right? But no, the other part of the speech was, $600 is not enough. Let's give all Americans $2,000. She says this is an attack on all Americans? No, that's positive, Amy. That's a good thing. That's a great thing. And in fact, cloud boot jar is so off base here, even Nancy Pelosi ran circles around her when it comes to strategy, when it comes to political instincts. The very first thing Nancy Pelosi did when Trump gave this speech is she was like, bet it, bitch. I got a $2,000 you know, um, bill now. We'll put it on the floor right now. We'll get it passed and uh, sign it. So she's basically calling the bluff. And look, it could go a number of different ways because they have a veto-proof, I think, number in the Senate so Trump could veto it and then they could just override it. But if the House is like, yeah, we're jumping on the 2000 thing and then they do the 2000 thing, then all of a sudden pressure's on Mitch McConnell. Go ahead, defy Trump now. And defying Trump is tough for Republican senators. If anybody can do it, it's McConnell. He just doesn't give a fuck. He literally is the Grim Reaper. But how much does Trump want to lean into that fight? If he leans into the fight with McConnell, who knows, maybe we do get $2,000 and it's Trump voting with, the Democrats, siding with the Democrats in a fight, that'd be great. But that, like, why would you respond to like this? By the way, Chuck Schumer did the same shit. Chuck Schumer implied, like, no, we're not doing that, sign this bill with $600. And then all of Twitter opened up the bowels of hell on Chuck Schumer's face, and then Chuck was like, wait, no, 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 I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in actually, 2000 What are you doing, Amy?
4: See, this, uh, this is what happens when you have no
0: real ideology outside of Trump bad, See, what she is, is she's a, a sponge to the establishment. That's what Amy Klobuchar is. She swims in the swamp of D.C. And, like, whatever sort of comes at her, that's conventional wisdom. She's like, yep, this is what I like. This is what's good. Like when Biden stepped in to, to tell the Democrats to accept less in the stimulus bill. She's probably right there, like, what an adult what an adult in the room, being serious and reasonable and rational. What a victory for bipartisanship. But you don't, she believes in nothing except conventional wisdom and Trump bad. That's it. So when faced with a situation where it's like, hey, maybe the American people should get $2,000 instead of $600, she's like, this is an attack on all Americans. An attack by what? Benjamin Franklin? <laughs> that, that's a good kind of attack. Attack me all the time. Hit me in the face, bitch.
5: <laughs>
4: oh my god oh uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I hate everything so much
5: <laughs>
0: oh my god I can't believe Amy Klobuchar didn't win the democratic primary with amazing political instincts like that here's what I know for sure you shouldn't get more relief in a depression that's what I Amy Klobuchar believe I'm the serious moderate. I'm always reminded of that old Internet hippo tweet, which is like legendary at this point, which is just got back from the centrist rally. We all held hands and chanted better things aren't possible. That's what centrism is, right? That's what and, and to be clear, I mean, centrism in D.C. I think I think the center position among the American people is usually reasonable. I really agree with whatever the center position is of American opinion. Um, but in D.C., yeah, the center's position is like, let's just not change anything and do minor tweaks around the edges. And if anybody says, let's do big, bold change, tell them they're ridiculous and call them a socialist and say something, something Venezuela. That's the cloud boot jar. There's a cloud in my boot jar, baby. I think I'm mixing like a Snoop Dogg song and... Amy klab Anyway, um, don't, don't say shit like this. Don't do shit like this. For the love of God, take yes for an answer. $2,000 it is. Credit to Pelosi. I know I don't say that often, but she accepted it immediately, right? Other Democrats, there, Tim Ryan, Ro Khanna had a, a bill on the floor, $2,000 per month. I think Rashida Tlaib and AOC, same thing. So credit to the progressives because they were like, yeah, that was our original position. Yes. But now we'll see. Is Trump going to cuck himself to Mitch McConnell or is he really going to launch an all out war on him? I hope he launches a war on him. I do. McConnell also just threw Trump under the bus and said, yeah, President-elect Biden, Biden won. And so he's pissed over that. Maybe that has something to do with this fight, too. But. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm on the side of Team 2000 and clearly Amy Klobuchar, at least in the spur of the moment, was not. Okay, next. This is hilarious to me. There's a right-wing pastor by the name of Robert Henderson. And um, he was praying for Trump to stay in office. And in the midst of that, he got a little too emotional.
4: We petition the courts. And we ask, Lord,
1: that as it is written in the books of heaven, as it has been ordained in the councils of heaven, President Donald J. Trump shall be reset and shall be reseated as the president
4: of the United States of America.
5: You Lord will arise and you will cause my president,
1: my president. Donald J. Trump
5: to be reset and to be Jesus,
0: Would you grant that it would be done, Lord? I think those were real tears. I don't think they were fake. I've seen fake tears before. That, That looked real to me.
4: Oh, I loved
0: every part of that. It was so awkward with the person, like, playing the instrument in the background. I don't know if you caught that. Go back and watch it if you haven't, if you didn't, like, take note of that the first time. There's a guy just playing in the
5: background,
0: <laughs> sort of, like, into the music, too. like. And there's this lunatic on the brink of tears and then outright sobbing for Trump. There's something about Donald Trump that's like old white man kryptonite. Now, I'm speaking in generalities here, of course. There's plenty of old white men who are not pro-Trump. But you know what I mean. Like the old conservative Republican old white men, they just connect with him on another level, man. I've never seen anything like it. I wonder what it is. Like part of me thinks there's a degree of... Relatability where it's like The image that Trump Puts out there is what they've always Wanted to be so that image is Like you know like Big boss man Rich capitalist Leader who tells people what to do All the time and is in control Barks orders at people No filter They love the no filter part because in their lives They feel like they're always they always have to I gotta I can't be politically incorrect Like I want to be anymore this ain't right, man. So I think it's a lot of that. It's it's the image of, like, the hyper-efficient capitalist who's the boss who tells people what to do. And um, they love that, and they relate to that, and they want to be that. And I think the no-filter thing makes them believe, like, oh, he's definitely fighting for me because he tells it like it is and doesn't, you know, abide by the stupid... Uh, decorum rules of society i think they think that that's liberating in a sense and they wish they could be like that so they sort of live vicariously through him in that sense i do think like melania as his wife they think she's super hot and they're like man i wish i had a wife that looked like that they do some you know trump does something to these people trump is old republican white man kryptonite and i really do think those tears were legit i think that guy actually really fucking sad that trump is going to be out of office
1: please god let Trump be
0: backing in <laughs> I want more tax cuts for the wealthy where I don't get a penny more. Like, that's the other thing that's crazy, is that the whole point of politics, to me, is to, like, actually see what they're doing, what direction are they taking the country in, what policies are they in favor of, what becomes law. Like, that's, what, that's the most important thing, right? That guy has no idea. You can tell him to name, like, three or four things Trump has done you're getting crickets. Maybe he can name one, you know, but they don't know. They have no idea. They have no idea that we're still in Iraq and Afghanistan, even though Trump said we're going to get out of Iraq and Afghanistan. No idea that 83% of the benefits of that tax cut bill went to the top 1%. No idea. No idea at all. No idea that he destroyed the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which is the most pro-working class agency that the federal government had. Because it returned billions of dollars to defrauded Americans. He, these guys don't know. He doesn't know. He doesn't know at all. It's, and here's the sad part, too. A lot of it is like cultural. A lot of the love of Trump is like culture war oriented. They feel like he's a warrior on my side of the culture war. Hmm. Grown man crying like that. I'm not sure I've ever cried like that. And he's a grown man crying like that over Donald Trump. That man casts a spell on old Republican white men, doesn't he? It's unlike anything I've ever seen. These And these guys, like, I'm sure they loved George W. Bush when George W. Bush was president, but they didn't feel like this about George W. Bush. They did not feel like this about George W. Bush. This is, this is way more powerful when it comes to Trump. So, Right-wing pastor Robert Henderson... That was really awkward, but kind of funny to watch. Newsmax did this segment that I'm about to show you the other day. You're going to watch this and go, this is weird. I've never seen anything like this. When we come back, I'll explain why they had to do this segment.
3: Since Election Day, uh, various guests, attorneys, and elected officials have appeared on Newsmax and offered opinions and claims about Smartmatic and Dominion Systems, both companies that offer voting software in the U.S., And uh, Newsmax would like to clarify its news coverage and note that it has not reported as true certain claims made about these companies. There are several facts our viewers and readers should be aware of. Newsmax has found no evidence that either Dominion or Smartmatic owns the other or has any business association with each other. We have no evidence that Dominion uses Smartmatic software or vice versa. No evidence has been offered that Dominion or Smartmatic used software or reprogrammed software that manipulated votes in the 2020 election. Smartmatic has stated that its software was only used in the 2020 election in Los Angeles, was not used in any battleground state contested by the Trump campaign. Newsmax has no evidence to the contrary. Dominion has stated the company has no ownership relationship with the Pelosi family, the Feinstein family, the Clinton family, Hugo Chavez, or the government of Venezuela. Neither Dominion nor Smartmatic has any relationship with George Soros. Smartmatic is a U.S. company and not owned by the Venezuelan government, Hugo Chavez, or any foreign official or entity. Smartmatic states that it has no operations in Venezuela. While the company did election projects in Venezuela from 2004 to 2017, it states it was never founded by Hugo Chavez nor did it have a corrupt relationship with him or the Venezuelan government. For more on this, please go to our website at Newsmax.com, read facts about Dominion Smart Manic that you should know.
0: There's a lot about that clip I find glorious. The fact that the guy seems like he's in the mafia. Respect. His name is, what was his name, like John Tobacco or some shit? (laughs) Hey, I'm Johnny Tobacco. That's what the boys call me down at the Cod Hall, down at the pool hall. He seems like a character in The Sopranos, right? That's, anyway, that's the sense I get. Respect. Um, so that I loved, but you're probably watching that going, what is going on here? Guys, that's what happens when you're about to get sued and lose, and you're going to have to pay out a lot of money. That's what happens. You know what that is? That's threatening a lawsuit, and then whoever the – the owners are at Newsmax. Was it Newsmax or one American News? I think it was Newsmax. Whoever the owners are, they get on the phone with the heads of, you know, Smartmatic and Dominion and, like, the head of those companies, and those companies are like, listen, you've been lying about us. We can prove that these are lies. This is malicious. This is smearing our good name. And even though we have very lax freedom of speech laws in this country, rightfully so, you've still crossed the line into slander or libel so we're going to sue you and we're going to win and Newsmax probably talked to their own lawyers and their own lawyers were like they got a point you probably will lose and so what happened they told them if you don't want to get sued and lose you immediately do an on-air correction you do an on-air correction and you run the segment and I don't know if they only run it once or if they're going to run it multiple times but that's what that was that was We're about to get sued. We're going to lose. We've been spreading misinformation, nefarious misinformation. And so we have to correct the record or Newsmax probably doesn't have all that much money. They could get sued out of existence. So that was a we need to save our own ass moment. And I love the details of what is effectively an apology in a way, right? The details like, okay, yes, there's no evidence of this, this, or this. There's no evidence of this, this, and this. We have nothing to do with Hugo Chavez or the Venezuelan government. <laughs> I love that because it shows you like how absurd and over-the-top and extreme the original lies were. And Sidney Powell was pushing this. There was some sort of grand conspiracy between the Cuban government and the Venezuelan government. And they made the machines, and then they sent the machines to the U.S., and they were already pre-planned to go for Biden because it was made by communist authoritarian countries. And Biden's a communist authoritarian. Oh, my God. If you know anything about politics, you know that that's the dumbest thing you've ever heard. The idea that Joe Biden is, like, sympathetic to Maduro or the now-deceased Hugo Chavez. or like, Who are you kidding, bro? How little do you know about any of this stuff? So they were forced to apologize. You know what this reminded me of? This happened with Alex Jones. I don't know if you guys remember that. I think it was in regards to the Sandy Hook thing. But it may have been something else. But he had to go out there and basically read an apology. Basically be like, I was wrong. There's no evidence of this, this, or this. And now I'm telling you that, you know, because the options are either go out there and tell the truth and correct the record, or we're going to sue you, and you're going to lose millions, and maybe you'll be out of business. By the way, what's the name of the, I think it's Coping MAGA, the, uh, the Twitter account, Coping MAGA, they, uh, they tweeted that now, maybe due to this segment, although I'm not sure, but now you have the hardcore Trump people are fleeing Newsmax and saying, Now, these guys sold out, too. There are still people who believe that on Inauguration Day, it will be Trump. There are still people who believe that, wait until you see how epic the libs get pwned on Election Day or on on Inauguration Day, when it's Trump who actually gets it. He's going to prove them all wrong, bro. There are really people who believe that. I told you, after Trump already lost, in the betting markets, there was still 10% of the bets were still for Trump to win, after he already lost. 2016 really broke people's brains. It really, really, really did. So anyway, Newsmax, getting a little taste of the big boy leagues now. And so you see, one of the reasons why Fox was, uh, they're only willing to do the propaganda to a point, and they'll go far, they will go far, for sure. But um, they're only willing to do it to a point, man, because what are you going to do? What was Fox News going to do? Pretend Biden didn't win even though he won? Is that what they were going to do? No, that's too extreme. That's too ridiculous. That's totally credibility destroying. So, of course, they weren't going to do that. But Newsmax and One America News Network, like their lane, they thought, was we're going to go to the right of Fox. And when they say to the right of Fox, what they mean is more sycophantic and authoritarian to Trump. That's what they mean. So, in other words, there's no ideology, guys. And that's the thing that makes them so pathetic that, like, it's just sad to watch them go, is that there's this is not ideological at all. If you want to set up a right-wing network and actually be ideological, by all means. Like, Ron Paul has his own network, and they do libertarian stuff all day long there. Okay, fair enough. It's ideological. This is like, we're just going to go to the right of Fox News, and by that we mean sniff Trump's farts, and tell him that they smell lovely 24-7. That's what it is. Just like the worst of the worst. The least intelligent, intellectual, philosophical. It's just fucking gross on top of gross. So there you have it. If you want to watch it for comic relief, though, that I highly recommend. All right. Next. Next, next, next. Where are we going to go now? Trump is being abandoned. And I kind of love it. This story really is the best. This made my day. President Donald Trump is furious at people in his circle he thinks are not supporting him, Axios reported. That includes Vice President Mike Pence. The outlet said, Pence has a habit of not being around for Trump's most damaging moments. Trump thinks that those who are not fighting in his corner are, in Axios's words, weak, stupid, or disloyal and beneath contempt. Now, what Trump's saying is actually not totally true, because even after it was very clear that he lost, Mike Pence was out there with Trump on Twitter. I know, I saw the tweets with my own two eyes, eyes, where he was like, we deserve a a full and fair and free inquiry into what happened. The American people need to know that this election was not fraudulent or rigged, and we're going to investigate that to our fullest potential. So he was going right along with the like, okay, what's our line now? Our line is, even though Biden won and it was pretty clear, it was decisive, 7 million or more than 7 million in terms of the popular vote when it comes to the electoral college, 306 electoral votes, the same margin that Trump had over Hillary. Trump called that a landslide when he did it. For Biden, what? What are you going to do? Overturn three or four states? Okay. Well, you had time and you did a zillion lawsuits and you lost almost all of them. Didn't change a single state. So Pence went along to a point. Pence went along as much as he possibly could, but now the Electoral College certified the results. It's over, son. It's done. It's as done as done could be. You might as well already have the situation where Biden was sworn in, because it's just as good as that. It's done. The Electoral College certified it over, over. So what do you want Pence to do? Like, what do you want him to do? What do you want him to do? And the answer is everything that Trump is doing. So just lie, 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 pretend like there's still a chance, even though there's not a chance. This is what he wants. This is what he wants. So now the thing that may have really put Trump over the edge here is that the Lincoln Project released an ad. The Lincoln Project is the former Republicans who hate Trump and so they go after Trump. Uh, The Lincoln Project released an ad and they were basically like, you do know that Mike Pence is going to do what every vice president before him did, right? going to swear in the new president. He's gonna be directly involved in the transition and he's gonna do what the tradition is. And Trump, oh my goodness, if Trump sees Pence do that, is Trump gonna go nuclear on the guy who's been his most loyal ally this entire time because he views that as a fundamental betrayal? Even though it's not, of course. It's just him doing his job, what he should do. He might go nuclear, dog. See, he already went nuclear on Mitch, right? I thought he was going to do it perhaps by, this was the report, that he might do it by um, tanking the Georgia election and not helping Purdue and Leffler. He's helping Purdue and Leffler, but the way he's sort of sticking it to Mitch is what he just did the other night, where he was like, no, I don't agree with $600 in stimulus. Do $2,000. And all the Democrats are like, right on. Let's do $2,000. And Mitch is like, fuck. So he's putting pressure on Mitch that way. What's he going to do with Pence? And Pence is screwed because... If he goes with Trump, he ruins his political career, right? Because you go with Trump and you're just like, you're doing a diet coup and you're following the ramblings of a madman who at this point is an obvious madman who just lost power. But if you don't go with Trump, then Trump might go nuclear on you. And if Trump goes nuclear on you, some percentage of his base that loves him are going to turn on you, Mike. And so your future prospects are gone that way. So Mike Pence is in a no-win situation. The best he could hope for is to... Just have Trump not come after him. Which might be a tall ask if he does what he's supposed to do with the transition. I mean, this is who he is. This is who Trump is. He's such a narcissist. It's so over the top. It's so ridiculous that, of course, this was going to happen. He would, he would take a flamethrower to his mother's face if it meant saving a little bit of embarrassment for himself. You know, he's all about himself in every imaginable way, almost to a comical degree. The qualities that he has, the qualities that he clearly demonstrates are all the ones you wouldn't want to see. You know, all the ones, I've said this before, but like the suburban housewife. I think of people, my mom's not a housewife anymore, but (laughs) I think of like my mom. And she despises this man because of all of his like character traits, you know, just extreme narcissism, incredibly impulsive, not thoughtful, not considerate of anybody else around him. If you throw Pence under the bus, that guy was so fucking loyal to Trump every step of the way. Like, uh, and who knows, maybe some of the people in Trump's base would be like, that ain't right, man, that guy was with you every step of the way. I don't know. I don't know how it would unfold, but it's getting good. It's getting juicy, and we'll see how it unfolds. But Trump versus Pence and a blow—a public blow-up would be something else. Okay. Okay. Um, all right, final story of the day. Here we go. Oh, wait, let me change my background. This segment is a tease segment. That's what it is. I'm working on something that I think all of you will enjoy. And I wanted to tell you that I'm working on something that i think you're all going to enjoy but as of this moment i can't tell you the details i can't tell you the specifics all i can tell you is soon you're going to know soon and i'm excited so i don't know if this is the worst tease in the world or the best tease in the world or somewhere in between but uh I'm at the point now where I could tell you that it's going to happen, that something you like is going to happen, but I'm not at the point yet where I could give you the details. But hang in there because perhaps the very end of 2020 or the very beginning of 2021 will be the ideal time. So normally I hate doing stuff like this because I'd watch it and be like, just, Fucking tell me. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I just can't yet. I just can't yet. But I am at the point where I could tell you that something cool is going to happen. But I just can't give you the specifics. So there's your tease. Everybody speculate away. I know some of you are saying, Kyle's going to do an OnlyFans. (laughs) That's pretty funny, not going to lie. What were the other ones? I feel like that was the most common one. Kyle's going to do OnlyFans, or Kyle's going to do a a secular talking smack. Um, There were a few things that were listed, but... Can't tell you any more for the moment, but hang in there. The thing will be pretty cool. All right, guys. I'm done. I love you, baby. I'll talk to everybody soon. Um... This is the last show before Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, so everybody have a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Enjoy your Christmas Eve and your Christmas Day and whatever you end up doing. And I hope you get your money, stimulus money. All right, love you all. Peace.